Breakfast on SEN. Great to have your company. The sun is finally shining in Melbourne town. Looks like a glorious day in uh, Kane City of Churches as well. We've just gone 7 o'clock. Hope your Tuesday morning has started well. A reminder of the McCafe menu. We'll talk some cricket with John Buchanan, some tennis with Renee Stubbs. Questions of that notice will spread the net wide as well. Plenty of footy, which is where we go to next for Kane's debut of Hold me to it, Kane. A bit of a brainwave from yourself. Yeah, Lester. can I set can I set this up? Because I had some some thoughts on the world of sport and what may happen um, this year. And one of the things, that, and we'll, we'll speak about this tomorrow. But one of the things that I think will happen is that Ash Barty will play again. So I was thinking, I was thinking this. I think I, I've got a real feeling. And to be fair, I said it as soon as she retired. I said well, she'll she'll play again. We've seen it before. Kim Clasters, Martina Ingus, um, they a lot of them come back, and I, I hope it's true. And you can hold me to that. So I thought we we could do something. We could do something on this on the radio, and we can get you involved. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. If you've got a sporting opinion that we can hold you to, yeah, um, have your say. So, so that was one, and we'll, we'll do our predictions for this year tomorrow. And I sent this through to to you and Brooksy, and you said, well, how about we go back. And look at some of the things you said last well, year. Just, just to set the scene. And because we'll set the scene. But you, you are held to your comments every year anyway. So it's a, your whole life's a hold me to it, to be honest. And it wasn't until Brooksy, I got in this morning and had a chat to Brooksy. He said, goodness hundreds me. hundreds of them. I've got about 50 pieces of audio and I'm only up to April. <laughs> <laughs> so we had, we had to do some sifting. But this it, it's amazing how much happens just in our little sport here in, in football. And, and the predictions that are made that you say and the things that... Proof to come true and the things that done, just the great storylines over the course of a, a now 24-round season. So we'll do all that tomorrow. And as you said earlier, Kane, we'd love your involvement as well. We'll do this over a couple of days. 40 Winks temper is 0433981116. I'll park the best of them and you will too, Kane, and we can read them out tomorrow and today. And the open line is 1300 736 736. It'd be good to hear your voice on this Tuesday morning. But let's go back to 2023. Now, let's go, in fact, around this time last year, February 7, you said this about uh, the Richmond Premiership captain, Trent Cotchin. Is Trent Cotchin in Richmond's best 22? If he's not in the centre bounce, in the phone box, where he does his best work, and you know what I mean by that, when he's diving on boots, when he's tackling, when he's winning clearance, when he's pushing the ball forward... I don't think if he's not playing that role, he's in Richmond's best 22. He's kicked 16 goals in the last five seasons, Trent Cotchin. Now, he was touted as a forward, uh, some even having a bit of a Trent laugh. Trent Coleman. Trent Coleman was the running gag. He kicked seven goals, eight. Uh, but he did play the 19 games. Yeah. But that's by virtue of his stature in that side, of course, as a, as a leader and an on-field presence. Probably not a definitive answer to but, that one. But not wrong. Not wrong. Not wrong, but maybe not right. He, he not was wrong probably at all. To but he wasn't fair, a forward. You never had him he, as a forward. He was definitely not a forward. He, he played his best football as a midfielder. So when he was playing, he was probably more on the right side than the wrong side. Now, the Saints, I reckon it's fair to say the Saints proved a lot of people wrong oh, in, in 2023. Gee, that is for sure. They, they took some scalps. Uh, 20 days on from your Trent Cochin comment, you, you said this about the Saints. <laughs> St Kilda coach Ross Lyon has quickly been reminded of how difficult this coaching business is. From what we witnessed on the weekend, they are no chance to match the 11 wins achieved last season. So they did. Uh, they Wrong. played finals. A <laughs> couple of lessons in couple of lessons in that. They one. won 13 games. Yeah, that was straight after 
their I don't know if it was their first or second preseason game, they got they got smacked and it was a horrible game of football and they looked awful. And that was the Monday after that preseason game. So there's a few lessons not to get caught up in. We do it every year and I'll do it again this year, no doubt. Don't get caught up in preseason oh, form. But yeah. I fell into a big time with the Cats, who we're going to get to in a moment, oh, in their preseason game down the highway against Hawthorne, where, geez, they just looked amazing coming off a premiership. It was like, by how far? Like, they were that good in a preseason game. And so, despite all our warnings and all the things we know about preseason games, we dipped into it, didn't we? And just on preseason games, the Western Bulldogs turned out a ripper as well at Icon Park. It might have been That's against it. North Melbourne. North. A revo- revolutionary setup of tall timber. <laughs> you said this about your Western Bulldogs on March the 6th, Kano. The Dinosaur Dogs was the biggest winner of the weekend for me. And when I say that, the scepticism that, and we spoke about it last week and asked you the question, could they possibly wheel out the four tools in this forward line? It's like nothing we've ever seen, I think. Um, but it just seemed to work on the weekend. Now, granted, it was against North Melbourne. The opposition weren't that strong. But the chemistry and synergy they had and the positioning of the Fords worked. So the Dino Dogs were going to take 800 contestant marks a game and turn the competition on their head. I didn't say that. <laughs> I liked what I saw from the Dinosaur Dogs. Now, it lasted probably two weeks. I think they lost their first oh, no. two of the season. Oh, no, no. They turned and all right. Zab Darcy got... <laughs> Got injured. So for those that say I never say something positive about the Western Bulldogs, you just we had to there, search but, hard for that, really yeah, hard. Yeah, <laughs> but the uh, the Dino Dogs didn't didn't work, and I don't think we'll see them go back to that. Are you proud of yourself? That was much the six boy. You said things changed. Did they change in your little home office? Because this is where you got to by mid July. At the end of the year, I would be having serious conversations about moving on from from Luke Beveridge's coach. I would. So that, that a revolutionary setup that's going to the, propel the dogs deep. You they're know, two the, separate <laughs> issues. They're, they're two. I, I well, no, they're, they're, they're not. They're, they are. They're they not are. because they're, the coach chooses the the four tall setup. But he hasn't been able to max. I don't want to go over old ground with yeah, Luke yeah. and that one's still up in the air. And a lot of these are still debatable. And we'd love your thoughts. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. I believe it was the right time to move on from from Luke Beveridge at the end of last year and I wouldn't have extended him. So I still stand by that. Now, I may be wrong on that. We may be sitting here this time next year and the Western Bulldogs have gone top four and made a prelim final or got close to winning a premiership. That could easily happen. So that one, and the jury is still out on that. And there's a lot of Bulldogs fans that think it's the right move to stick with the premiership winning coach, Luke Beveridge. There's some that think, yeah, I agree with Kane and it it was time to, to move on for a fresh start. And we'll wait and see as we spoke yesterday yeah. about the findings of that review. And we disagree on that. And I think we will for a period of time until one of us have proven correct or otherwise. Uh, Dirk's in South Bank, good friend of the program. Morning to you, Dirk, and Happy New Year. G'day, Dirk. Oh, good morning, uh, Sam and Kane. Um, happy New Year to both of you. Kane, now, this is a passionate plea to the AFL for their New Year's resolution for 2024. Please fix up the following in no particular order. Number one. The standard of umpiring field, arc mistakes, review of the stand rule. Number two, inconsistent MRO. Number three, exploitation of the substitute. Number four, a review of the academy system. Gold Coast had four of a kind in last year's draft. In my opinion, it should be a maximum of two players per club within their own academy. Number five, North Melbourne's handouts in the draft trade period. A reward for poor list management. Please don't let this happen again. Number six, 
my patience is running very thin with the AFLW. The AFLW is an absolute catastrophe. We need more goals, a better uh, execution of skills with the, and also limit the amount of play movement in the AFL. And my last one, Aina, and you'll like this one, number seven, please review the father and son rule right now because Geelong has 25 eligible father and sons from the Cats' three flags from 20 from uh, 2007 to 2011. Now, it's important to note that Fremantle has only been in a competition for 30 years and has only produced one father and son rule with, with uh, Brett Peak. So you'll see the influx of the amount of father and sons that are going to come through for Geelong. And this is going to be an interesting watch in the next four to five mm, years. Seven must-fixes so, for, for the AFL. Getting it off Dirk. his chest. Some of them I agree with. Some of them I disagree with. Some of them will be high on the priorities of, of Laura Kane and, and Andrew Dillon. Uh, and the father-son one is always debated. Well, I think on the whole, most people like the, the romantic nature of the father-son. And just because you've got great players doesn't often mean that they create great sons. No. Um, but on the umpiring... Yes. Which was a talking point right throughout the year, the standard of it. We went to four umpires this, uh, last year for the first time, of course. And the new setup, well, you said this back in mid-Feb. The introduction of four umpires will be chaotic. The competition doesn't have enough depth to fill the extra umpiring positions. And unfortunately, umpires feel compelled to influence games and can't help but blow their whistles. More umpires will mean more unnecessary free kicks. So... <sighs> The umpiring standard think? was, well, was it because we went to four or could it just well, have been poor help. anyway? It didn't help. Could like it just four, have been? Four, four umpires didn't help the standard of umpiring. And I completely stand by the fact we don't have enough depth or enough talent of umpiring. That's why we still have umpires that are in mm. their mid-40s. We need younger ones coming through. And I know the AFL are, are onto this and the junior pathways are, but four umpires, maybe the umpires liked it because they didn't, physically have to do as much work, but in terms of improving the standard and the game, it did little to do that. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that goes next year. The Coleman medal was won by Charlie Curnow at the Blues. Didn't have the final series he was hoping for, Charlie, but he was an absolute powerhouse in the home and away. But you had another man you predicted was going to win the Coleman back in uh, back in March. If, if Adelaide have a good year, Darcy Fogarty can win, can win the Coleman. Mm. Mm, they had a bold. pretty good. They had a good year. Yeah, they did. It was. I knew at the time that was a that was a bold one. <laughs> oh, you knew you, like, <laughs> you know you all you see in the preseason bold bold preseason uh, opinions or takes. That was one of those. So he, I'm just yeah, scrolling he, down. I'm trying to 34, remind. 34. 34. So where did that have him? Like sort of no, uh, way off thirtieth. Way off. But I still think there is untapped potential for Darcy Fogg. Now he's on the he's on the right track. A few years ago, I was worried about where his career was going. He got dropped. They were yep. trying to play him as a defender. They tried to play him as a midfielder. It didn't work. But he's got so much fitter. And he, he's now a, definitely a first-choice player in the Adelaide side, which is a big tick. I think he's capable of 50. I mean, maybe it's not Coleman medal-winning All-Australian potential, but I think he's got 50-plus in him. We're talking about lost bets because Mitch McGovern's uh, rocking a ginger-style setup at the moment. Shades of the former Carlton <laughs> captain, the big Lance Whitnell. So this is a streamlined version that Mitch is doing. <laughs> Lost a, a bet internally at the football club there. Troy's in uh, North Fitzroy. He might have a, an old story for us. How are you, Troy boy? Good morning, mate. How are you? Oh, going well. Uh, good morning and Happy New Year. Um, I'm a Hawthorne supporter and my brother's a Fremantle supporter. 
And when when we played in the grand when we played against each other in grand final, whoever lost the bet, or whoever lost the game, we had a bet, had to walk down Ligon Street and walk into Brunetti's and wear a onesie. Right. Uh, wear, wear, wearing a onesie. My brother Corey done it. <laughs> it was it was one of them. It was one of them funny moments, you know. Nicely done, Troy. Hope you got lots of I photos had, for future evidence. I had a bet with Scott Thompson that used to play for the Crows. Like we did, used to do a segment on Channel Ten on a Thursday before when we were both playing. So, uh, two thousand and nine ish era, and before one of the showdowns, we had a bet with each other. We said the loser of the showdown met between Crows and Port, and that was me and him had to go to the opposition's training session wearing their jumper with an autograph book. And as the team came out for training, oh, had no. to stop I don't remember and, this. and ask each other for autographs. So we sh- shook on it, all good, agreed to it. Port Adelaide won the showdown. And this is my, one of my, we should get Michelangelo Rucci on this because he never let Scott Thompson live it down because he backed out of the bet. Oh. Trent Henschel got... Really nasty injury in that game. Matt Thomas tackled him and, and Trent Henshaw almost, well, he broke his leg and was, or, or did his knee. It was horrific. And Tomo said, oh, it's not the week to be playing the full. We've just had a really nasty injury with one of our players. So I'm not going to go through with the bet. So he backed out of it. And Roach never, ever let him live it down. He used to write this column in the advertiser here in Adelaide. And every week he had a thing called Scotty's Counter. The amount of days... Scott Thompson not to deliver on the bet. And it got up to like a thousand and something days before Roach let it go. But yeah, that was one that uh, one that springs to mind. He never actually went through with it, which is, come on, come on, Tomo. Go on, Tomo. A bet's a bet. A it, bet's a bet. You've got to honour your bets and your debts. Absolutely. Before we break, Catherine's in Flemington on the father-son rule, I think. Uh, how are you going, Kath? I'm very well. Happy New Year to you both. And to you. Uh, I just want to respond to Chairman Dirk's um, concern about Geelong's father-son rules. <laughs> if you've got talent and you produce talent, you're allowed to have those players and kids play football uh, and, and at the highest level. You're not going to institute a one-child policy or a one-son policy just because there's a successful era and they've happened to have... Uh, uh, wives and, and girlfriends that have produced children uh, to create a dynasty. If he doesn't like it, he doesn't like it. But the father-son rule exists to honour talent that, that good um, athletes are able to produce. Um, and as for AFLW, I've seen my beautiful Geelong girls develop over the last few years to be a fantastic team. And uh, if he doesn't want to watch, he doesn't have to watch. No, good on you, Catherine. No, I like the father-son rule as well for the real. I think it's one of the great rules or... or um, you know, romantic pieces we have in the game. And I'm not sure if this is actually true or not, but the word out of Geelong is that there's more coming, Kane, as well. There's a big batch of them coming in the next uh, three, four to five years, apparently, of um, sons of premiership stars that are just working their way through the junior system Joel at the moment. Corey, the Enrights of the world. So if Dirk doesn't like it now, don't ring us in a few years, Dirk. You, you might be really, you might be volcanic. Anyway. Oh, uh, we're working our way through Hold Me To It. We're looking forward. We're looking back. We're all over the place this morning. I tell you, I've got a deep back catalogue here to work through. <laughs> so we'll continue doing that on the other side. Uh, weather update today. City Power supplying power to homes in the CBD and the inner suburbs. In Melbourne today, going to be 23 degrees and sunny. Breakfast on SEN. Uh, welcome back. Sam Edmund Kane Cords with you for summer breakfast. Hold me to it. No places to hide here for either of us or for you if you want to 
if you want to put yourself on the line and your opinions and your predictions or looking back what you got right, what you got wrong, we're sort of setting the scene, looking back at the same time, 2023, 2024, and uh, bets that you might have lost as well on the sporting front. Something we're canvassing as well this morning on the open line, one three hundred seven three six seven three six, which is exactly where we find John out in Belmont. How are you, Johnny? Yeah, good. How are you? We're good. Yeah. Um, beginning of 2015, the mate of mine who lived across the road, we made a bet between uh, Bulldogs and Collingwood. And I said that Collingwood will win a premiership before the Bulldogs. So the bet was we paint the winners, the losers' garage the colour of the uh, football team the other one goes for. Right. So a week after, I was at Bunnings. Masking tape, spray paint, <laughs> and I made a really good version of one of my garage doors. What a good. what a premiership it was, Johnny! And uh, you can put the icing on the cake too if you if you end up on the right side of the uh, of the bet. Good on you, Johnny. Thanks for ringing in, um, Kane. Mm-hmm. Th- not often you remember preseason games, but we both remember Geelong showing down the highway against oh, Hawthorne. Oh, oh. It was might have even been their very first sort of showing of season twenty twenty three, coming off the premiership. They were magnificent against Hawthorne, who couldn't lay a hand on them. It was incredible. You said this about the Cats, Feb 2023. Things would have to go badly off track for Geelong not to win back-to-back premierships. So they'd have to go badly off track. And then, I, then just, no, no, hang on, hang on. Hey, I, went, I went further than that, though. I said everyone was playing for second. <laughs> you said things would have to go badly off track for them not to win again. But this was you come April. Jeremy Cameron can probably get away with that, but if his teammates have also celebrated like that, I'll ask you the question: Can can Zach Tui get away with living off beer fumes and hash browns for breakfast? Can Tom Atkins do the same? Because he's not the same player that was jumping on landmines for his teammates in the last ten games of last year. This is a group that's satisfied. And six weeks later, they've over-celebrated. Well, information changes, Sammy. <laughs> information came across my desk that has changed that opinion. Now, if they were that hungry group that we saw for the last 16 weeks of 2022, and if yeah. they were jumping on landmines, they would have been really difficult to beat. But clearly, clearly, and this is the, the hardest thing, um, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens with Collingwood. Satisfaction is one of the great dangers to, to ruin your season. So mm. even if you get satisfied, if you over celebrate, if you like Jeremy Cameron, you live off McDonald's for the whole of the off season and his teammates did the same and you come back comfortable, then you won't you won't go back to back. And that's that's definitely what happened. There were some other factors, of course, but yeah, they, they I think they were a group that was satisfied. Would you agree? The cats uh, it was a, uh... to an extent. Yeah, to an extent. Did did that mean that their season spiralled out of control? No. I mean, there were well, other I factors. I didn't say it spiralled out of control. Well, they didn't play was, finals after winning yeah, the Premiership. Yeah, fac- it was a factor in... They never really... They- yeah. They never got going, did they? And there are other factors at play. And, yeah, maybe. It's the it's impossible to measure, isn't it? It's an intangible. Um, you're all over the Tigers, though, and the end of what was mm. a glorious uh, era for them. You said this just uh, on in and around their Swans matchup gather around April 16. To me, it feels like the end of an era tonight. I know that's a big statement off one game, but I, but I think it's more than that. I was really perplexed by the moves that they made in the off-season. It was a significant risk and a risk that I think is really going to damage the future of the football club. It's not going to be Damien Harvick's problem because the likelihood of him being there for over 20 years is unlikely when these Hopper and Taranto deals expire. 
Well, as it was, he only had a couple of months left, but you were spot on there with the Tigers. Well, that's, the, that's the thing with um, coaches having significant power over list management decisions. Mm. And, and, some would, uh, and, and we've had this discussion on air before. Some would say, well, how much, how influential was Damien Harbick in the, in the trade decisions that they've made? I would think he was significantly influential in that. And then he's gone nine weeks in. So just be really careful about coaches who are ultra competitive, who want to stay at the top, who don't want to rebuild and want to keep winning, having say over what, what uh, list management decisions you made. But I mean, it was a fantastic era, wasn't it? Yeah. And as Incredible. we discussed yesterday, I think the Richmond <laughs> what would fans you give up? Are, are sitting there pretty comfortable knowing that they were able to live through what was an extraordinary era. But yeah, I mean, it's going it, well, to be, it was ugly last year and I think it's going to be ugly for for probably half a mm. decade at, at Tigerland. Mm. Uh, we're holding you two things this morning. And look, to be honest, you weren't on your own with your thoughts on Brisbane's forward setup and, and how it had them fit for September and fit for the ultimate success. And I'll refer to their two keys, Danaher and Hipwood. You said you said this. This is early. This was uh, just in the shadows of March. March 31, in fact. They, they can't win the premiership with, with Danaher and Hipwood. Now, they didn't win the premiership, but Danaher kicked 60-plus and was one of the best sides on grand final day. Hipwood, I think, uh, third for goals for Brisbane, second for goal assists. Um, they weren't the reason they didn't win the premiership. Can they? I give you Hipwood's final series? Oh, here we go. Can I, can I give you Eric Hipwood's You're, final series? I know what, I know what he's talking about. Port Adelaide yeah. in a big win at home, oh. one goal, three. I thought you'd fall on your sword with this one. In a prelim final against the Blues, 11 touches and a goal. And in the grand final, oh, we didn't see him. We didn't not see Eric Hipwood in the grand final. Now, it is really tough to say that it was Eric Hipwood's fault that Brisbane didn't win the premiership. But that one, and Danaher really impressed me. And I was I was in the All-Australian meeting you know, when we, we discussed him at length. I thought he was enormous. And there's definitely, his reputation has grown significantly. Yeah. But the jury is out whether Eric Hipwood is a viable second option. I reckon Brisbane may be better without him and go something a little bit more unique because they have the most talented small forward group, medium smalls as well as, as genuine smalls. But they're shining. And you could man an argument, could you not, that the reason they're shining is because of the two keys? Perhaps. And they, they would say, and I've, I've debated this with Chris Fagan, he would say, well, you don't see what Eric does off the ball mm. and how strong he is defensively and, and all of the other stuff that he does to make everyone around him mm. better. I would argue you're a forward, you're there to make a contest. Far too often he, he is inconsistent. And I would I would like, even though they've signed him for a ridiculous seven-year deal, which was a really strange one at the time, for them to explore just going a little bit smaller in their forward line with the amount of talent that they've got. And that may be something, not they'll do every week, but something that they could go to at times this yep. year. Uh, hold me to it here from a big Saints fan, a Saints double. In fact, Paddy Dow will be the recruit trade of the year and... Wanganee Miller up will make the All Australian squad. That's coming through Oof. from two oh six. I'm on the Paddy Dow one. Like he could be a va- he could be like a Blake Acres style value yeah. for money. Value for money. Give up nothing to get him, um, and you know he may play a significant role for them this year. So I don't mind it. Who would have thought Blake Acres would have the season he had? Oh, no. And uh, I'm going to get to Fremantle tomorrow when we get to our hold me to it. But we need to get to the news you, for now. You, can you give us a tease? Are you in or you're out? I oh, know I'm very much out. You're oh, very much out. Oh, you can't have a trade period where you lose more than you bring in I in the like final year of your contract, Kane. Yeah. He should have gone dimmer Hardwick on them over I there and like brought in the big guns. Sell the farm, Justin. That's categorically wrong. Yes. Uh, we've got a couple more, but we need to pause for the news. We'll just get a couple more in, and then we need to move on and start getting into our McCafe menu. So the headlines are here. We'll grab ourselves another McCafe coffee and top up nicely. Back in a sec.
It is indeed. The pipe is back and back with a bang. Jake Stringer, we've got a text here, um, Kano. Uh, it's a question without notice, which we'll address later. But Jake Stringer had a contract at the end of this season. We'll lessen and extend that before the end of the season. You had some thoughts on him and his fitness last February. I was taken aback when photos emerged of Stringer presenting for day one of that preseason. And by elite athlete standards, he was overweight again. And now he's injured. Until Stringer achieves strict fitness and body measurement goals, Scott should not pick him in the senior team. So that was Jake Stringer. Didn't have the season that he or Essendon would have wanted. And well, you're they, on the And they essentially said that. I mean, mm. they, they had a crack at picking him when he wasn't ready. But I think at stages uh, last year, they said, well, he's, he's got to go back and he's got to get himself into a, a condition that he is able to perform the role that we need. And there'll be a few other players that go through that this preseason that yep. don't present the way that they should, and that will affect their years like it has for Jake, not just for last year, but I think for the majority of his career. And to the question, should they extend it? Absolutely not. You're not going to extend Jake Stringer now. You're going to wait and see uh, how it all goes. And then I would think it would be one-year deals for, for the rest of, uh, of his career, unfortunately, for him with the stage that he's at. Yep, and maybe that's what he needs to, to keep that motivation going. Tim Taranto, this might shock some people, but you had some comments to make around Tim's status in the game last year. The words Tim Taranto 150, I don't think I've ever seen more often in the same sentence. But uh, you had this to say about his skills back in April. Tim Taranto is the worst kick in the AFL. The worst kick just in the just short and sharp. Maybe he's not. <laughs> maybe he's not the worst kick in the AFL, but he'd be one of the worst from a player that gets as much of the footy as him. Um, and yeah, obviously we discussed him at length last year. At length, we did indeed. Now hold me to it. I mean, we said we were going to get into it tomorrow, forecasting well, but you've already started in in true Kane Corns fashion. You've already made a big prediction about this upcoming season. In fact. You made it way back in September. The oh, season was, was still going, effectively. Uh, and you had this to say about Sydney's prospects without their co-captain, Callum Mills. But what I've read, it's, it's, it's nasty. And whether he's right for round one remains to be I seen. I that it's up to 12 months. Yeah, well, they can't win the premiership without him. So, so the, the, he is the defensive Josh Dunkley that Brisbane have. Brisbane aren't in a grand final if it's mm. not for Josh Dunkley. Sydney will be the same if it's not for Callum Mills. Dangerous territory here, Kane. Well, I, don't, I don't know. I think he dangerous. I think he's that important with the, the the youth of their midfield and the role that he plays in and amongst that midfield. I think it'd be difficult for them. No, you said they can't. Yeah, well, I don't think they can. I mean, they're, they're hard to win. Premierships are hard to win. You've got to have everything going right for you. And without Callum Mills and his leadership and the role that he plays, whew. Mm. 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 Good trade period for Sydney, though, wasn't it? A few reinforcements have arrived. They'll be around Kids will the place. get better. They'll be a very great, great club, well coached. Um, some big losses, though. Don Pike's a big loss. Is that, do you reckon, the earliest can't win a premiership we've ever seen? September of the well, year I before? Did, I did preface it by saying, if he's not playing. <laughs> now, I've I got no idea. How, how serious no, is this? I've I don't know it. how his recovery's going, but it is no. a serious, serious injury. It was a so large if chunk, if not most of the season. Doesn't play this year. Yeah, I'll stand by that. Okay, you'll stand by it. I expect nothing less. Uh, we need to break Kane. A lot that's of support for it. Kane Corns. <laughs> I don't like the fact that's been cut, I'll be honest. I don't like it at all, Coxie. Can we delete that, please? No. A lot of support for Kane Corns. We'll resume, and the delivery's all wrong. Uh, we'll resume, hold me to it tomorrow. We need to talk some tennis. Renee Stubbs is going to join us on the other side of this. Six times a Grand Slam tennis champ. Renowned commentator as well. There's a new documentary on one of the great sporting events in Australia coming up. Australia's Open. Renee Stubbs on the other side.